Sailing Resets for the Tokyo Olympics. Hello and welcome to ATR Radio. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. The sport of sailing is among the 33 on the program for the Tokyo Olympics, now dealing with the postponement of the Games until 2021. And at the same time, the source of the delay, the corona pandemic, is affecting the calendar year of the sports and presenting daily challenges. And all of this comes in a year for sailing, when the president of the World Sailing Federation is supposed to be elected for a new term. We have him with us today on Around the Rings Radio, Kim Anderson, who has led World Sailing since 2016, and he's uh, hoping to win a second term as president of the Federation. He has one challenger, Gerardo Seliger of Spain. Kim Anderson joins us by phone from his home in Denmark today. Welcome. Thanks very much for being with us today. Hello, Ed, and uh, thank you for, for calling up. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. There's so much going on in the, in the world of international sport. You know, we were expecting to be busy with anticipation for Tokyo at this time, but now that's all been torn up and another roadmap, another 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 path everybody is needing to follow as a result of the postponement for the uh, Olympics by by one year. First of all, for sailing, uh, what does the postponement mean for, for athletes, for the, for the competition you were expecting in Tokyo? Yeah, I think, for, of course, for all athletes, it's a major disappointment. Having said that, I haven't heard any of our athletes and anybody not sort of uh, acknowledging the situation that is very serious. So this is, of course, totally unexpected. Uh, but having prepared for more than four years for, for many of the athletes uh, to participating this summer in the Tokyo Olympics is, of course, a major change and a major disappointment. Uh, but that's where they are, and people adjust. And I'm sure that we are getting on to uh, to the Tokyo 2020 Olympics in 21. Well, is it any surprise that the IOC did decide to to change the date to to postpone them one year, given the way things seem to be unfolding all over the world involving coronavirus? I think I think first of all. I think the IOC did a, it a did a good job in assessing everything necessary around the Olympics together with the Japanese government and the organizing committee. Um, all the fuss in the beginning about, you know, postponement, cancellation, whatever. It's very clear that the, the IOC could have canceled one-sided the event, but to postpone the event, they needed a full uh, backup and full uh, uh, joint uh, party, you, you can joint joint work with the uh, Japanese government, and that's what they did. So I think the postponement was was uh, a responsible thing to do, and uh, giving the options they had, I think actually the outcome is 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 the best possible. Then there's been a lot of things about the timing, and I think uh, we all think that it's, uh, you know the timing next year is probably where. Um, uh, things are already organized around that time of season, meaning school holidays, uh, where you have the events, etc. So I think they're now, of course, reorganizing for next year. and That's a feasible thing to do. Everything else, changing the venue or even trying to bring the venue forward will just increase, uh, you can see, the uncertainty factor. So I think what the RFC is doing is, uh, together with the Japanese government, is 
is really uh, what could be expected, but also a really good outcome, given the situation. Will it have any effect on the actual competition being a year later? Any changes that would result from that? And what does it mean for the uh, the sailors, the athletes in, in the event? You can say it's... it's, it's uh, uh, Olympic sailors, I'm sure they will prepare for for next year. They will continue the preparation. But having said that, you are, of course, going into the next Olympic cycle. And that's, I think, where the the, the difficulties is. Um, you can say looking a little bit into the situation now and also coming out of this crisis at some stage, a reopening, sort of, to say, the world. We are all uh, facing, I'm sure, financials which are going to be under pressure and that uh, i think that accounts for everybody and now to have to deal with another campaign leading up to the 2020 olympics in 21 uh, on top of having to start the preparation for the next olympic court is will definitely be a financial challenge and also for the sailors a timely challenge uh, in order to prepare so uh, so i think that that's a challenge then we, of course, we are an equipment-driven sport with a lot of technical things where an Olympic for us is normally also where you sort of, after the Olympics, you uh, evolve your equipment or you change your equipment. And suddenly uh, the changes and the involvement planned for after the Tokyo 2020 Games are suddenly causing an issue because uh, then we'll probably see a season going forward where some of the classes, they have to adjust how they have their competitions going on. Uh, with new equipment or with keeping the old equipment and uh, also deciding what equipment should be legal for the 2020 games being now in 21. You've already had two test events ahead of the Tokyo Olympics. Now you've got time for another one. Is there a possibility there would be another another event that you would add for, for sailing to give the, uh, give the athletes uh, another look at the course? Right now, we are, we are uh, you can say, dealing with the local organizers in order to set up how, you can say, we can gain access to the premises because, of course, there's no contractual arrangement in place at the moment. But this is, this is an ongoing uh, investigation for our events team together with, the, with JSAF, the Japanese Sailing Federation, uh, to see how we can also organize that best possible so for the teams to have the possibility to train from the Enoshima uh, area where of harbor where we are we are going to host the Olympics and then also to see how we can set up a test event for this for this year you can say of course the test event we have cancelled it so we didn't just postpone it because that has to do in our case with a lot of requirements of getting access to water and also to setting out courses on the sea. And these are all the considerations going on. But for sure, we will have uh, training facilities available for the uh, for the sailors at one stage. And this is one of the things we're working on right now. So for sure, that, that that's something that, that needs to happen. We're talking with Kim Anderson, president of World Sailing, on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. Uh, any impact for the actual venue for sailing due to the one-year delay? Is there any complications involving temporary structures or other facilities that were going to be put in place there? I would say that uh, not that we know of at this stage because um, with, together with JSF and the, 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 the Olympic organization in, in Japan, the planning committee and everybody, we have been planning for this. So most of the structures were in place now. 
and we we didn't have uh, many temporary structures. Uh, you can say only temporary structures which could easily be erected and also uh, changed. So so I think on that that uh, uh, on that level we are actually okay. It was the site of the sailing competition in the 1964 Olympics. Any legacy facilities from there? Anything from uh, 1964 that will be of use today for the uh, 2020 Olympics? Actually, um, there is a facility which is uh, which where because after the Olympics, uh, they started an opti house and an opti class and an opti community for the young sailors, and that is still there. And uh, that is still also in use for some of our facilities regarding measurement and things like that. So the legacy from the previous Olympics is still there. And that is actually the, the whole area sort of uh, grew out of uh, the old, uh, the previous Olympics. So, so I could say this is a good uh, way of showing that the legacy from one Olympics stays for a very long time and is still, is still there. What about the impact of the, of the coronavirus as a, as a medical condition as a medical uh, crisis what kind of effect has it had on sailing in 2020 with the athletes any coaches stricken that the the safety and welfare of athletes i guess is what we're asking about here yeah first of all it i'll say the the coronavirus and everything that comes with it has an impact on on all sports because you can as as we all know that everything is closed down uh, and then we have a close down, which is different from country to country, from region to region, and from continent to no continent, because it was sort of developing over time. So I think, but looking at, at it as a whole and as on sailing, basically uh, all events, more or less up till the uh, to mid year, uh, July, they are cancelled, and it's also looking. Uh, we are also looking into the second half here as being quite difficult. Um, uh, actually, talking, we had a town hall meeting with uh, with committees, and I had a court town hall meeting with uh, with uh, our Olympic, the, the present Olympic classes, and also with our MNAs. And and for sure, when we are now talking about opening up, um, that is also going to be a challenge internationally because hosting a European Championship or World Championship, you might be in an area where you could host an event. But how to make sure that all athletes have, would have access due to the corona crisis, you might have that the hosting country is not going to accept all uh, the different uh, nations coming into their country. So so it's very clear from, from our sailors and our community that, that what we are trying to look at is how to do it locally, actually having more, you know, going back a little bit back to the rules, having really emphasizing on the local championships and maybe to have a combined championships cross-border if you're in the regions where you have a similar restriction. So so I think that is one of the things that can get us fast back into into the sport. Another really important, uh, uh, you can say, part of that is that we have had a very uh, dedicated medical team through the whole crisis who has together with all the relevant uh, international body, WHO and so on, had developed uh, what is really the impact of sailing and what is it, how is it in connection with corona. So we have actually a full report on where, how you need to take care and how you can conduct events if you are applying, of course, also the national rules. So by doing so, it's also very clear that 
sailing is one of the low. It's it's treated according to VHA and the international uh, bodies. It's treated as a low risk sport because we don't have a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, audiences. We are we are not in confined spaces. We can organize, let's say, our sailors briefing to be within safe distance and and things like that. So there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of guidance given in that report. So I think actually we are we are we are able to open pretty quickly locally when the local governments are allowing us to do that, and we have also a very good guideline from our medical commission on how to conduct events under these uh, difficult circumstances. So for sure, we are affected by the close down now, but I think now it's it's time to look ahead and see how we can make a safe opening of our sport again, so to speak. Kim Anderson is our guest today. He's president of World Sailing. Any athletes or, or coaches that have been stricken with uh, coronavirus? Any uh, illnesses that have uh, affected uh, any any major, major major personalities in the sport? We we haven't had any reports on on uh, uh, you can say people being very ill or in in a in a in a very serious matter. There has been reports about uh, people getting uh, the virus and and being uh, affected, but not uh, fatal or anything close to that, to my knowledge. And you mentioned the financial impact that's going to result from these changes, moving the Olympics a year from now, uh, because you and other federations are counting on revenue from the International Olympic Committee. Nobody is quite sure what's going to happen with that what have you been told what are you expecting from the from the IOC uh, first of all i think we have to look at the at the general effect you know what is what is because everybody's of course looking at the IOC but the corona is actually affecting a lot let's say you you normally you have some for many sports, if you, I'm talking general sports, you know, sport, uh, it could be cycling, it could be sailing, it could be, a lot of they have uh, income sanction fees on world championships, uh, all these these revenues for help hosting events the whole season. So that's one that is closed down because you, you cannot host anything. And then you have, of course, some of the, the sponsors which are participating in this, and it's also creating uh, some income. And again, there you have sponsors which are staying with you as a federation for a longer period, but you also have event sponsors and others also creating some some income. And all these revenue streams are for all sports. They're basically gone. Not saying that you are losing your sponsor, but I'm just saying the events-driven sponsorships, they're definitely not there. So that is sort of the impact of the, of the corona. Then on top of that, we have the postponement of the Olympics. And that is, as you're rightly saying, that uh, many Olympic federations, they are planning their finances in a court, so they're actually entering uh, the court with the payment from the last Olympic, and then you are budgeting with that money in the court, in a, a, again, to build up also for the next Olympic and to make a strong, uh, uh, you can say, presentation at the Games in order to lift the Games program as a whole. And then waiting for the payments to be paid after the Olympic. And that's, of course, where we are now missing that payment because that is postponed till next year. So we are when we're sailing, we're looking at different uh, facilities. We are looking at, of course, uh, looking how we can be sustained. We have some fund- funding available, 
Uh, and we are, of course, looking how can that stretch us into a situation where we have an ongoing concern for world sailing until September uh, next year, 2021. And then, uh, of course, we are in dialogue also with the IOC, and I, I believe the, the IOC is, is, go, is dealing uh, with this issue on a case-by-case, uh, case because every federation is different and every federation has a different need. And uh, and here we we are basically in touch with IOC, and I'm sure that we'll we'll find some solutions. But we are, as I said, we are also looking for other facilities. But is it important for the IOC to take some initiative because they are the ones who essentially move the uh, the goalpost uh, a year ahead ahead from now? Do they share some um, responsibility or solidarity, if you will, with the sports federations in trying to? Uh, smooth things over, make things as less disruptive as possible. You can say, uh, of course, we are in dialogue with the IOC, and I think they, uh, they are, of course, as always, uh, interested in in the well-being of of the federations. So we have a, we have a dialogue with them. But I'm saying it's not the only facility for bridging the gap from here till next uh, Olympics. So so we are looking. Uh, we are working together with the IOC to see what what can be uh, you can say what we can do there to get support, but also we are also uh, looking at other uh, avenues and uh, and I think uh, the I, I don't know about the IOC's funding, but I'm very sure they also have a shortage in funding, having an Olympic being postponed. So in that case, we are a little bit all in the same boat, but I'm sure that we are acting responsible and that we are we are we are making sure that we can we can drive our sport one year more until the funding is still there. And what about the situation within world sailing? I know you're facing a, a number of financial pressures, questions uh, about about your funding. I think there's some controversy over the, the relocation of your Federation headquarters from Southampton up to, uh, up to London and the costs that you're incurring there. What kind of, what kind of struggles, what kind of remedies are you finding within the Federation to deal with to uh, make things uh, much more stronger financially? But you can say, it. first of all, uh, we had a budget going for this court, and that was based on some assumptions, and, and they were not quite uh, strong. So we made some, uh, you can say, some, uh, some, some uh, decisions in the beginning of the court, and that was one of the decisions was to move, up, move our headquarters out of Southampton. Having said that, we were on a lease which was 25 years in Southampton, so definitely the cost uh, comparison to Southampton and to London is, of course, very big when you're comparing a new lease in London to a 25-year-old lease in Southampton. But I'm just saying that definitely the cost in London would, one way or the other, always be higher than in Southampton, but not the gap that maybe you are looking at comparing the 25-year lease to where we are in London now. Having said that, that was a unanimous decision at that time uh, by the board to move to London. There were many other uh, options considered, like Lausanne, Monaco, Valencia, Barcelona. And for, for a lot of good reasons, which were all in a matrix, we decided to move to London. That has then been highlighted as a major issue. And for sure, of course, it is a major issue because uh, the lease that you're having on, 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 an, on, offices, on an office in London is a major, uh, you can say, uh, uh, it's a major 
it can be breathtaking. Thing. Yeah, and then you can say so. Of course, when we are, when I said what I did before was about our financials going forward, the board is looking into several things like, you know, uh, rent relief, relief, and I think a lot of businesses are doing that. But that is definitely one we are looking into. We are also looking into how can we balance our salaries. What how can we do the best possible for uh, for keeping the organization together and on the one hand staying loyal all together to getting World Sailing to this crisis by cutting uh, salaries or by giving some reductions in salaries. We are also looking into the support scheme that is given by the UK the government, the furlough scheme for employees again to, to help the situation and right now with lower activity that is probably also a possibility that we can can exhaust and, and can use. And as I said, then we are looking into all savings that are possible. So that's sort of one thing. And then on the other side, side as I said before, that is, of course, looking for bridge funding uh, uh, against the missing funding uh, from the Olympic uh, revenues that we were supposed to get in September and going one year forward. And that's, that's basically what we're doing. And what about finding sponsors, corporations who want to support world sailing is it is it is it a tough sell right now for you and other sports federations to to get the attention of uh, of corporate sponsors first of all i think right now uh, sponsors uh, sponsors normal uh, normal other businesses and i think everybody uh, to be right straightforward right now has to look out for their own business and their own thing so right now i don't think it's, it's time to engage with new sponsors and selling sponsorship. Having said that, World Sailing has some very loyal sponsors and they are fully supporting what we are doing. Although, of course, due to no activity okay, uh, uh, about uh, round events, uh, uh, they, these sponsors are fully understanding uh, where we are coming from. Our We have uh, a good sponsors called Hempo, we have SAP, and we also have Rolex, and they are all supportive of the, th- of the activities not happening now because of a very good reason. You can also say the other way around. No sponsor will will be interested in any way of uh, uh, as federation starting acting irresponsible just because of sponsors. So it's a very logical consequence of where we are. So it's not, I, I don't think there is any sell to be made right now. What about the search for a new CEO for, for World Sailing? Andy Hunt left uh, late last year and uh, that position has been open. Are you still recruiting? Who are you looking for? You can say the board has decided to uh, to uh, to to make a recruitment, and that, that recruitment is ongoing. But the board has also decided that we just need to get have get the hands around the finances before we can actually sign off any any CEO. And I think that's a very reasonable and responsible thing to do. And that is that is what has also been communicated in our town hall meetings with all our MAs and presidents uh, last week. So that is uh, you can say that's a that's a public secret. It's a it's a difficult time to be running a, a sports federation. That certainly is the case right now. You had a a meeting, I believe, a, a a meeting planned for May, now postponed to deal with some of these issues. No, the the. You can say that we have uh, uh, one of the things that that uh, the sailing uh, you can say 
all the stakeholders, all our M&As, they decided, uh, yeah, it's probably two and a half years ago, that we needed a governance reform. And uh, more than 90% of all the our, our M&As, they, they were voting for, let's, let's have a governance reform. And that governance reform, as you could imagine, that takes time. You make a, a, a commission that will work for it with an independent chair, and they come back with advice. And they came back several times and liaised with, with uh, you can say, uh, our council, all our uh, board members, but also all our stakeholders. And that was, uh, we had it uh, up for the first time in, uh, in our last uh, AGM in, uh, in November. And there, it, we, in order to, to make a change in our constitution, you need 75% majority. And I think we got, was 64%. So we were, we were clearly a majority, but not enough to, to make it pass. And then we ask again our our stakeholders, what is it that you would like to change in order to get this governance reform uh, passed and in order to to take world sailing forward? And that was actually the the aim of the meeting in May. Normally we have a media meeting in May. This year we were not planning a media meeting, but we then uh, were planning an EGM, an extraordinary general assembly. Now you'll consider this what it, later this year when you have your annual annual meeting scheduled for Abu Dhabi right now we are we as I said we are very much working on the crisis situation so I think the consideration about the the reform and how to take it forward I think that is a little bit on hold having said that there are many of the M&As who would like to take it forward for uh, the, 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 the annual meeting uh, but but right now I'm I'm not sure we you you know at, around the board table we have sort of discussed that lately we have a lot of other issues on the table so uh, I, I I don't know where we are with that going forward right now. You are still planning to have your your annual meeting in Abu Dhabi at this point. You can say at at this point, uh, of course, given the situation with the corona, I would say anything you say now might be very changed. Uh, because of the, of the situation, but we have uh, a host in place and we have a contract in place with Abu Dhabi. You can say, except, uh, taking the Corona set, uh, aside, it's a it's a it's a it's a perfect venue for the AGM. Uh, but any all the speculation that has also been in place about that the board is discussing on what to do and how to move it around. Uh, I have to uh, say again, it's not a board decision. It's it's the constitution that needs to look into what options do we have if, in case of the corona, that Abu Dhabi is not safe. But that's not, that's not sort of a board decision. It's a, it's a constitution actually recommending because uh, we are bound by the existing constitution and we're also bound by uh, the, the laws of the Isle of Man. So uh, it's not uh, we cannot vote electronically and we have to have face-to-face meeting in order to conduct an election. And and you you will be uh, running for president for a second term at this uh, at the at the meeting later this year. What are you proposing for another term? What things would you like to accomplish for the next four years for world sailing? I think actually there's uh, you know being elected when I was uh, elected for this term, uh, there was a lot of uh, plans uh, for what should be the 
you can say my manifest, so to speak. And I think if you're if you're just looking at the manifest, we have done we have actually followed it a lot. And I was very lucky that I, after I was elected, we made a, a an uh, an analyze with all the um, with all the president and MMAs what's what they would like for priorities and and. Uh, that fitted actually quite well with the with the manifest I was looking into, and uh, and we'll we'll be working on that. I would like to work. Uh, we have done a lot in in the in the last four years regarding uh, doing more much more broadcasting, getting our our sailing to a new audience, and presenting our sport in a better way. We've done a lot with uh, pushing gender equality, and uh, basically trying to renew the way we're also connecting to youth. And and we need to continue doing that. So I think a lot of the initiatives which are actually ongoing, they need to sort of be rooted going forward. And uh, and then of course, as I said, one of the the the, the strong points in in the manifest was uh, increasing the level of transparency and then accountability in our governance structure, and thereby also getting new governance reform. So that is definitely one of the the most important part going forward. Talking about the governance reform, you can say if we would have uh, uh, passed the governance reform last November, it would actually have given us the the, the change in constitution would have given us the opportunity to uh, vote electronically. Uh, so we would actually have sorted out some of the problem that we could have if Abu Dhabi is not safe for the AGM. But that was not, uh, you can say, intended because of we were expecting any crisis or anything like that. But it was because we wanted to engage stronger with all our 135 member nations, uh, also with the ones not able for a lot of different reasons to attend the ADM. So that was the reason for the governance reform to have that change in the constitution, but that was not not passed. So I think going forward, this is still one of the very important parts. And again, the governance reform structure we're looking forward, uh, looking into that has and Olympic Council to make sure that we're keeping, you know, really uh, the best uh, way of developing our Olympic venues in order to support the Olympic Games as a, as a, in general. And then it has a, a use and development council, uh, which is again balancing more uh, our way of dealing with our sport, which is today very Olympic focused, and and should be much more development and participation focused as well because that is that is a huge part of our sport this is really the the some of the major priorities going forward we have paralympics we have the para part of our sport all this we want to energize much more than we are doing today and there is the issue of sailing in the in the paralympic program how can that be settled it's not i don't think it's something you settle it's something you campaign and you work very hard for I think the lesson to be learned is that if uh, if if you if you are losing the status, uh, that can happen very fast. And to many surprises, it's it's it went that way. Uh, but to uh, to get in is a lot of hard work. Having said that, I think the numbers on participation in our para sport has been increasing steadily, and we are actually on a very high participation level. Uh, much higher than when we were in the Olympic sport. And of course, that should also give us the basis to get in. But there's a lot of uh, work to be done. Having said that, that for when there was uh, the election for being 
part of the uh, para-Olympics going forward, they didn't take in any new sports. Uh, and that is also a signal on how difficult it is going to be. But that's a challenge that we, of course, uh, will be fighting for. And, and we think that, that uh, sailing should definitely be in the Paralympics for the simple reason that, that sailing is one of the sports which can accommodate most disabilities. Uh, and that's why it makes a lot of sense to have sailing in uh, the Paralympics. And the ongoing controversy or discussion debate within sailing on which events should be in the Olympic program. It seems that, that sailing now is taking a, a direction towards the board events um, in favor of over over the, say, the fin-class boats, which is now not a part of the Olympic program. I think, you, you know, you can, you can always judge it by equipment, but I think what, what the, the council did when it was actually having the process in place with they first elected the events and then they they decided on the equipment for the different events. And I think that is very important. The, the first thing they they voted for that was to have a full gender equality throughout the, the event and also on numbers of athletes. On now we are gender equal on numbers of athletes but not on events. And of course by doing it on events it sets a framework for how are we then going forward. Then I think the council was very clear on wanting to have a, uh, to strengthen universality and also to see how you can engage with new with, with, with use. And if you're looking at the universality, I think the, the proposal or the, the not the proposal, but what has been agreed for Paris 2024 has a very strong universality aspect as having uh, the kites in. Uh, you will probably see nations that we haven't seen at the Olympics before engaging that discipline. And then again, the kite relay as a mixed event for men and women. There you, for the first time in sailing, you're seeing men and women on the starting line competing as a team. And this is again a new feature that is, I think, is also very, very attractive to uh, to young people to the sport. It's a very fantastic, fun uh, event in the sport to watch for sure. We saw it at the uh, at the beach games in uh, in Doha uh, late last year, and it was quite an event. Beautiful thing but to it, see. But it, it is quite funny because when this was uh, when this uh, process was going on between events and equipment, you know, you can I think you have also followed. It. There was a lot of discussion and debate in in the sailing world that this is impossible and you cannot do that and suddenly when we sort of when when the council decided to do it and the kite community tested it in legata both the sailors and the organizers and the rest of the sailing community were actually surprised of how fantastic this event was but until then it was totally hopeless you couldn't do it was mission impossible and actually it's it's a very exciting event then we have the offshore event, and that's of course also very controversial because here we are going into uh, to engaging with a part of sailing that is actually a very big part of sailing, uh, probably one of the biggest parts of sailing. Uh, but that's always an argument in where you are on different continents. But to have an endurance race as a part of an Olympic event, 
I think the council has made a very wise decision there because it will be troublesome how to do it. But I think there are so many smart people figuring out how to do it and to how to accommodate it. And there is, if you're looking in many parts of the world, the double-handed uh, keelboat and, and offshore coastal sailing is really the, the increasing very rapidly. So, so here again, we are looking into a discipline which is actually has been there for ages and ages and ages, but it's now been refined to double-handed sailing, and we are actually putting it in as a mixed. So, and then you can say to have that in an Olympic event, to have an endurance race over three days and two nights, I think it is actually good for the whole games because uh, a lot of these endurance sports, they're actually the new sports uh, which people are very attracted to. And to bring it into the games program, I think it's it's an important part for the games program as a whole. And then also the ability to follow it online and to uh, to race against an Olympic in e-sailing. And actually, it, if you're participating and you're getting everything right, all the data that you got as an input, you could actually end up crossing the finishing line before the competitors competing in the Olympics. And I think that connection to to your audience is very strong, and it's the first time ever we've seen it in sailing. We're talking with Kim Anderson, president of World Sailing. Just a couple of couple of last questions to wrap up with that are I'm asking everybody at this time in these times, you know, what kind of effect the corona crisis is going to have on the future of sailing, on the future of sport in general? Right now we're going through a period of no sport around the world. How will this crisis change things as we move forward? I think it will, uh, first of all, I think, as, as we said a little bit earlier in this program, that uh, we will see once we are opening up, we'll see uh, a lot of local activities because definitely the national guidance on regulations and on, on rules regarding the, the virus when opening up would be the guidance on how this sport will open up. Having said that, we are at, uh, seen as by the international bodies being a low-risk uh, sport uh, in relation to the corona and we have a set of rules on how to conduct safe uh, events and that will of course hopefully excel the way we can get back into sailing looking ahead I think we will be all I think what the crisis uh, is has taught us is is taught us about what we need more than what we will what, what we are normally having so I think there is a gap of simplifying things going ahead and also being a little bit more cost efficient in the way we are we are dealing with our sport and i think that's some of the learnings having said that uh, we the crisis has also shown us that uh, there's actually a lot of other environmental positive aspects on the crisis and that's of course also a benefit for a great sport that is using uh, more than 70 percent of the surface of the globe as their field of play so I think uh, sailing will be in a good place going forward and will come out, uh, you can say, on a, in, in a new, uh, slightly renewed, but stronger versions on the back of this crisis. Well, Kim Anderson, president of World Sailing, thanks very much for talking with us. It's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Thank you, Ed. Stay safe. I'm not sure when we'll see each other face-to-face. That's one of the great uncertainties that we face, but... Uh, Best of luck to you and your colleagues. 
Thank you. And this has been the latest edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Thanks for joining us today. For more than 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.